Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Cross. Episode 50. Is it 50? I am very confident this is episode 50. I trust you. I believe it's 52. Well, welcome to episode 50, everyone. It's not 52. It's 50. 50? That's so great. Episode 50. We are halfway to 100. Um, But we are almost done with Matthew. So So close. So close. I wasn't going to say but yet so far, but really not. I mean, uh, what, we got... 45 through 66 today, and then chapter 28 is only 20 verses. So, I mean, we really do not have that much left. Uh, how long have we been going through Matthew? I mean, a little over a year. Over a year? Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember when exactly we started. Uh, I know it was... Well, think about it. We have 50 episodes. That's 50 weeks of recording. True. But some weeks we weren't able to do it. Like multiple. So it's been over 52 weeks in a year. Right. So there's... there's We've been at it over a year. Nice. Because so, I remember we did it like right before Baja last year. I remember we had a Baja recap of last year. Right. Um, so that kind of just... I guess it's the pinpoint for me. Right. Um, but, uh, Dylan, how are you on this episode 50 day? How am I? Is that what you... I was taking my earphones off. Sorry. Does it hurt? Yeah. Does it ring? Yeah. Wow, it's the mic then. So, anyway. I hope it still sounds good. Well... Did you say, how am I? Yes. How are you? How am I? I am wonderful. Everything is great. Um... I mean, I really said it best to classmates, and I don't do much but work. <laughs> so, work is good. I mean, true. It's 5.38 on a Thursday, and we got off of work maybe 20 minutes ago. So, um, but that's good. Work, that's good that it's busy. Um, and, I mean, I get to go to Smithville on Saturday morning to talk about what is... The future of our Baja trip, where we're going to go, what we're going to do, so... We're going to have some updates on that next week. That'll be really good. And then um, I get to go eat with my family tonight and be with my nieces, and that's always a good time. I look forward to that every week, to spend time with those guys. Wynn gets very excited when I walk in the door. Aw. So, Piper is just... So, I have two nieces. Let's just talk about this for a minute. I have two nieces, Witten and Piper. Witten will be four in July. Piper is one and a quarter, I guess. I don't really know what to say. A little over a year. You know, I'm not, I'm not big into the, the age terms. But I love them both the same. I do. But Piper, she, that girl's a different breed. <laughs> she is just, I, I don't know, like a gremlin. You know, I don't know how else to describe her. She just walks around and screams. And like mumbles words, she's getting to where she'll like say words Aww. and stuff. She says Dylan. She Aww. can't say pickle. That's what they call me is Uncle Pickles. I'm sure you all know, but she calls me Dylan because she couldn't get pickle out. Mm. So, but Wynn gets upset whenever she calls me she Dylan because that's not my name. Oh, not your name. No. Oh, okay. She gets upset, but I, I had to explain to her last week that I said she can't say pickles, and she goes, "But why?" I said, mm. "I don't know." <laughs> I don't know why, but Whitten, probably the sweetest little girl that you will ever meet in your life, and she's very like, she's, she gets it from me is what we've decided, because Josh is very introverted, my brother-in-law, Carrie is very introverted, but Whitten will like talk to her friends at gymnastics, 
and like set up play dates for herself, like, and then just come and tell my sister, hey, by the way, Thursday at noon, I'm having a play date with so and so. Carrie's like, she had four play dates this week, and I didn't schedule one of them. Like, she just will go and talk to people and like anybody in public. She just hi, hi, and you're like. Don't talk to strangers. <laughs> What's a stranger? You know, but she just yeah. She has multiple play dates a week. Aww. She has a little boy friend, not really boyfriend, but a little boy she hangs out with. Aww. They go on. They have play dates you together. I'm not. Uh, so no approval yet. So anyway, it's it's fun, but I get to go see them tonight. And Piper just a girl's a different breed, but they're both sweet, and I love them both the same. But whoo. Carrie asked me the other day, she was like, Witten wants to come to your house and spend the Saturday and you guys go do, you know, do stuff. I'm like, I would love that. You know, we'll go to the park, we'll go, she loves to shop at the dollar store and I can't stand the dollar store. But she'll go and she'll spend, she likes to look at everything. So like, if you go into the dollar store with Witten, you'll be there for an hour and she looks at every toy, every, and she has to decide what, she gets something at the end, but like, she has to go through and look at everything and just, pick out what she what she wants but it takes an hour mm-hmm. at least so I asked Whitney I said if you come to Pickle's house what do you want to do and she goes I want to go to the dollar store <laughs> I want to go to the park you know I said okay and Carrie goes well there's one stipulation if you take one you have to take the other uh. one. and I went oh no 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 I'm not ready for both of them oh so because Piper will pick out what she wants in there like just like that like you walk in go the toy aisle count to two she has something in her hand and she's ready to go and Whitten is like analyzing every toy there and she loves candles so she likes to look at the candles not the smell she just likes the colors so so it's it's a lot it's yeah yeah Piper amazing Whitten's amazing but Piper is just a different breed they're opposites yes so anyway that's what I get to do tonight. Very excited. I have a wedding to go to this weekend. So that'll be fun. It's two weddings in a row. Just a busy man. And, yeah. And a funeral to go to on Saturday. I have a Mexico meeting. I have a funeral. And I have a wedding to go to. Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> yeah. And it's all from 10 to 3. So, it'll be a busy day Saturday. 10-3. But what about you? Me. I always have good weeks. They're uh, they're good. I, I got a little injured on Friday, but we're powering through. A little slowed down, but I can still do my job, so that's all that matters. <laughs> okay. And it was on my left hand instead. I, I injured my thumb. That would cripple me. If I was that's true. Hand. Yeah, if it was my right hand, it'd be rough. That's what I hit the space bar with. My right thumb. Oh, yeah. I, would, I hit my with my my with my left I'd have to like adapt with my left but uh, that just it'd be weird I don't know I, I wouldn't be able to write like normal I'm just glad I, it happened on my left hand God works in mysterious ways. unfortunately it happened at work too it was yeah. a work injury we won't go okay. into that or anything that happened with those details because it's too painful to bring up but uh, besides that, it's been really good. Um, today's May the 4th, so I've got a lot of Star Wars things that popped up. And then... Uh, Tomorrow is Cinco de Mayo. Oh, that's what you're excited for. You're like, I what mean, is yeah. this May the 4th? 
And I'm, I'm all, I, you know, I woke up this morning and thought to myself, may the fourth be with you. You know, that was... That might be how I end the episode. That was it. I was going to end it that way, but... Really? I yeah, I was. That's great. But anyway... We'll just surprise it. But tomorrow, Cinco de Mayo. So we shall celebrate with Mexican food for lunch. That makes sense. But anyway, I think keep going. That's a surprise. That makes sense. Keep going. But uh, no, that's really, that's it. Uh, this week, I mean, May... It's May, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's May. It's just turned out to be busy. Weekend-wise, uh, there's May Day and prom this week. The next weekend is Ty's, Ty, our friend. I don't know if, I don't know if they know Ty. But it, it, he's never on the... No. Okay. Ty is uh, me and Dylan's good friend. He's getting married on the 20th. So we have... The weekend before that is the bachelor party. So it's just, it's just being busy. But that's okay. We can't release details of the bachelor party because Ty doesn't know. Oh, that's true. I don't even know if he listens that little. He does sometimes. He's an FM guy. He's an FM he guy. He listens to the radio. That's how we got lunch today, though. That's so true. He can be FM all day. Yeah. So, all right. Anywho. <laughs> Back to Matthew chapter 27. We're hopefully going to end today. No, we are going to end Matthew chapter 27 today. So we're just left with Matthew chapter 28. Uh, but last episode, we... We covered all of uh, the the stuff leading up to the crucifixion, the crucifixion itself, and now we're going to be uh, beginning in verse 45. Uh, Dylan, you want to go? Me go. Yeah, you go. Me go. Okay. Uh, Matthew 27, verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Uh, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders, hearing it, said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. I'm going to stop there real quick. And Dylan, you can take it away, or me go, it don't matter. Um, so... This event, where the earth was dark for three hours, is, is actually, you know, if you do some digging, is recorded three like different times by scholars all across the world. Um, I wish I could pronounce their names better. Um, this one is Dionysius, D-I-O-N-Y-S-I-U-S. He's a Greek scholar, and he reported a strange darkness coming over Helopolis at the time, which is the city where he was. And there was another one. Uh, Diogenes living in Egypt he reported a blackout for several hours and he offered an explanation and this is what he said he said the solar darkness was such that in a, uh, was such that uh, either uh, deity himself suffered at that moment or sympathized with one who did and then a third one uh, in Turkey which did not give a name but it wrote that a day turned to night at the sixth hour and stars were visible and earthquakes shook the empire you know, so, so the entire earth plunged into darkness for about three hours. And, and why? Because this is the first time and only time in all eternity that God the Son and God the Father were not in fellowship. Jesus, in love, took upon our sins, and God cannot stand the sight of sin. And so for him and, uh, and God were separated. We're not in fellowship. You know, and near the end of this three-hour separation from from the Father, Jesus cries out, asking God why he has forsaken me, which is, we talked about in the last uh, episode about Psalms 22 and how 
that phrase right there fulfills that entire song. But, you know, this is interesting. This is one of the only times uh, in the gospel that Jesus addresses his father, our father, as my God. Every other time, it has been my father. You know, and at this moment, the intimacy that Jesus once knew with the father is gone for three hours. Jesus could not feel the father's presence. For the first time, they were not together. And, you know, then Jesus experienced on his final cry, uh, the second death is what they call in Revelation, which was spiritual death with taking on all of our sins. You know, and he says, why have you forsaken me? You know, forsaken literally means to be left behind. At this moment, Jesus is truly being left behind. Jesus had known had known pain and suffering during his life, and yet he has never known the separation between the Father and him. And there's kind of like a holy transaction taking place here. God the Father regarded God the Son as if he was a sinner. You know, later in, uh, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians in chapter 5, verse 21, God it says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we may that we might become righteous, uh, righteousness of God in him. The physical suffering is all that we can comprehend. Not even the magnitude that Jesus experienced it, but being separated from the Father is completely different. This was the cup that Jesus wanted to pass pass him by. And at this moment, Jesus was regarded as almost an enemy uh, of God who was judged and forced to drink this cup of the Father's wrath, and he did it so we would not have to drink it. And we keep going... uh, in John chapter 19 verse 30 it tells us that Jesus said it is finished as what I, I read in the few little verses you know it, in which is uh, in in ancient Greek is telestia which means paid in full uh, this was the cry of a winner because Jesus paid the debt of sin we owed and finished the eternal purpose of the cross and then the final part of that is and he yielded up his spirit which I, I think is even, you know, even Jesus in his state he's in, he still has complete control. He yielded it. No one took Jesus' life from him. Jesus yielded it. Death had no righteous hold over the sinless Son of God because Jesus yielded it up and gave his life up. So, Well, you, you see here, um, and this is according to, to some scholars as well, uh, mine's easier to say because it's a modern-day scholar named Spurgeon. And that's where I get a lot of, I get a lot of my... Um, class material and and commentary and stuff from him um but you know this is all approximate but you know we we see that you know in verse 45 now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour there was darkness and all that you know we see approximately jesus hung on the cross for about six hours six to seven hours is what is what the the scholars say and you know the I would say three first three hours of that um, was in broad daylight, you know, because the first three hours it was, and this is all, it's kind of cool the way that the crucifixion works because there's a reason, you know, the first three hours he was in broad daylight so that way people could see it in fact was Jesus on the cross. You know, they don't have, you know, you can go over to Sun Mount Reynolds and get this diesel powered light that will light up like the sun. Yeah, you know and they use that to light up parking lot and stuff at night, but they don't have that kind of stuff, and so it was there so that way Jesus, people knew in fact that Jesus was on the cross, not a replacement, not an imposter, 
But here's what's remarkable. I don't know if you guys know this. The Passover was generally celebrated, and this is all, you know, approximate information, but this is what the scholars say. The Passover was always held during a full moon. And when there is a full moon, it's impossible that there be a natural solar eclipse during the full moon. It can't happen. And so um, the fact that during this time, during the time of the Passover, a full moon, you know, nobody can say anything about it. Nobody can say that it was just a, an eclipse or nobody can say it was this natural phenomenon. It is scientifically impossible to have a solar eclipse during a full moon. And it makes sense. You can use common sense and think that. Yeah. You know, and so that's what's happening now, according to Spurgeon. And so that darkness is a symbol of creation itself being in agony. And all of that because at this moment, like Jackson was saying, Jesus doesn't feel the presence of God. And literally, creation is mourning over that. Cre- I mean, the world, creation, the physical world is mourning that. And let's put this into perspective, you know, for a modern-day Christian or, or just a modern-day person in general. You know, Jackson is my best friend in the whole world, but we're not together all the time, you know, and... I don't feel like he's forsaken me when we're not together. I mean, I'm not mourning. I miss him. But, I mean, the world's not dark and I'm not sad. And, you know, I enjoy our time together, but I don't mourn. You know, if you mourn somebody, that's it means they died. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not like I'm dead. I'm just not with you. Yeah. Or you're not with me. And so the fact that because Jesus doesn't feel the the presence of Christ, or Jesus doesn't feel the, the presence of God, excuse me, the world mourns. The creation mourns and goes dark. So, why do we feel like, as modern day, you know, people of the world, you know, I'm a Christian, I've been baptized, and and I try my best every day to, to, to live the best I can. I fail every day too, but I, I do my best. But, if you don't have a relationship with God, with God, His presence is not there. You know, people who don't seek a relationship, don't want a relationship with Christ, God's presence is, is not there. You know, He's not going to force Himself on you. But yet we don't, we don't think that's a big deal. You know, people who, who aren't, a Christian people who don't have a relationship with Jesus, most of them are just fine with that. You know, they can say all, all day long that church is not their thing and that Jesus is not their thing, but guys, look back at Matthew here and understand that the few hours that Jesus felt forsaken, that he didn't feel the presence of Christ with him, the creation went dark because of it. But yet... Our lives don't go dark at all. And I mean, we don't care. There are so many people, us included, when we forsake Christ. You know, if you have a relationship with God, you know, and you're a Christian, the presence of God's with you. But if you are going through life and you don't know Jesus and you choose not to have a relationship with Him, you know, we need to understand 
the gravity of what is going on. You know, and when Jesus is, is crying out, <coughs> excuse me, he's crying out um, with a loud voice, it says, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the people that were there, you know, they're, they're thinking he's calling for Elijah, so they go and they take a sponge and they filled it with sour wine or vinegar and offer it to him to drink. And the rest said, you know, and, and again, we see the agony that he's in. And they say, oh, let him alone. Let's see if Elijah will come and save him. So there's still, I mean, imagine how Jesus feels here. He feels betrayed by God and separated from Christ. Or from, G- I keep messing that up, separated from God. But now they're still taunting him. And right before he gave up his spirit, they're still taunting him. Well, let's see if Elijah will come and save him. Let's leave him alone. You know, so that's actually, and Jackson alluded to this, my God, my God is quoting from Psalms 22. And that's basically, he's declaring his fulfillment of that prophecy. You know, in both agony and, you know, power. Because in, in Psalms 22, after my God, my God, it continues to say, you have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. So it's in agony, but it's also in praise because he's saying, you know, yes, I, I'm, it's finished. I'm dying. I'm done. But he's also calling out to him, you know, quoting back to Psalms 22 in praise. You know, saying, I will declare praise to you. So he feels forsaken. He feels like he doesn't have the presence of God. But even in that moment, he's still offering him praise to his father. And so that, that's what I pick out from that is, is if you, and I'm not saying, you know, when you're a Christian, you, you get blessed with the presence of God through the Holy Spirit when you become baptized. You know, but if you don't have a relationship with, with God, I don't care what preacher has told you and I'm not trying to, to be ugly or mean but I'm, I'm just speaking the truth you know you don't have God in, in your presence if you're not a, a baptized Christian because we're told in the text that you know you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit once you've been baptized with water and again that's just in the world today that's not a big deal who cares if we don't have the presence of God but just keep in mind that there's only a few times on record that the world went dark. But never, ever has it been in a full moon because it is not scientifically possible. So think about the gravity of that because it shows that everything is morning. When I imagine like, you know, in the dark, and now, you know, there's creatures and predators and coyotes and whatever that move at night. But I mean, when I think of darkness, you think of your house, like at night, right before you go to bed, you're turning the lights off, you're locking the door, like it, it just, it's quiet. And that's kind of how I envision this, this darkness. You know, I don't think there's animals running around. I don't think there's people really moving around. It's just, it's dark, you know, at dark humans hibernate or I do (laughs) I mean you know and that's what's happening here is everything is kind of being quiet and mourning what's happening and so guys I'm I'm telling you understand the gravity of of what it means to not have a relationship with with God with with Jesus 
because it's a dark place to be. It's it's a place where nothing moves. And I mean that as in when you have a relationship with God, through his spirit, we move, if that makes sense. You know, Christ directs our paths. We, we, we do, we move in a way, hopefully, or we try to move in a way that he would have us to do. But when you are when you are dead in Christ, which means you have no relationship with God, nothing is moving. You think you are, but it's dark. It's mourning. It's it's sad. So we'll, we'll keep going here in, in verse 51 unless you have anything else to say here. So, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split, and the tombs were also opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And the coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into a holy city um, and appeared to many. And when the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled uh, with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. And there were also many women there looking out um, from a, looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee and ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. And so here we, uh, we see three uh, events that, and if you read the other Gospels, Matthew is the, the one that gives the most detail about these, and, and that was the veil was torn, there was a great earthquake, and the dead rose. You know, and this wasn't just a small veil, it was about 60 feet or so high and 30 feet wide, and no one, and this separated the, holy pl- the most holy place from the holy place. And regular people could not just go to the most holy place where they uh, had you know, air quotes because you can't see him, God was. Um, you had to go through a high priest, and that, the only time that would happen was on the once a year on the Day of Atonement. You know? And this veil being tore, torn symbolizes that the way to God that was restricted you know, is no longer restricted. You know, as Jesus died, this was an, kind of like an unmistakable message that, uh, that we no longer have to go through a high priest or have a high priest represent us while we stand outside the veil. We have a high priest that's Jesus. Jesus is representing us. He's interceding for us um, to God on our behalf. You know, and then we have the earthquake. The earthquake itself was shaken by uh, well, the earth itself, kind of how Dylan was talking about how the earth went into mourning, was also shaken um, by the death of the Son of God, and then the dead rose. Which is you know, this is one of the strangest and most interesting passages in the Gospel of Matthew, and we don't hear about this event from any other Gospel sources, and Matthew doesn't even share that much information. I'd love to know how the dead rose, but as far as the Bible goes, we don't get that information, uh, which is fine. I feel like that would be really cool to know about, but obviously the Holy Spirit didn't want to. So, and then as we keep going, and even after all of that, a Roman soldier confessed, and also it impacted the women, such as Mary Magdalene and Mary, who were sitting around. So. Well, you you see here, uh, and, I'll, and I'll be quick because we are going to try to finish. But you know, you see here in verses fifty one through fifty six the immediate results of Jesus's death, right? So he he talks about the veil of the temple being torn and what that meant. But look look at this, and I'll read this again, but. The, the earthquake, the rocks were split, the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So we're going to talk about this in a second. So Jesus passes in verse 50. 
and the temple is torn which gives a spiritual meaning but look at the physical stuff that's going on the earth quaked the rocks were split um, and then the graves were open so here's your immediate results of Jesus' death and then continuing on reading here so when the centurion and those who were with him that were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake saw the things that were happening they feared greatly saying truly this was the son of God what more did they need before this even happened what more did they need you know they they, they know especially the centurion they know um, what Jesus has been doing over his over the time in his ministry but it took something physical for them to fear greatly the ESV translates and says truly this was the son of God so at least and Matthew doesn't release a lot of details but you know who knows if, if they became Christians who whatever but at least now in this moment they understand that they have done something sacrilegious and sacrilegious is a kind of a weird word. You ever heard that before? Yeah. It's a weird word. But sacrilegious means, you know, something that the opposite of what should happen is what's happened. I guess is, I guess is the way I would describe it. You know, so if you, you, know, you have a CEO or an owner of a company and then the janitor decides to come in and take over the company, that is sacrilegious. That can't happen. There's no way. Because the owner has the only authority to make that happen. And he didn't. It just happened. So now we have Jesus, the Savior of the world. The centurion and the guards are saying, yep, that was Jesus. The sacrilegious has just happened. The Savior of the world is now dead. And it took an earthquake. It took people coming out of the ground and rocks being split not the miracles he performed. Yeah. Not the way that he's worked in other people's lives. It was that. That took him to go, oh, I guess we did just kill Jesus. So think about it this way. You know, we talked about, you know, living without, you know, living without Christ in your life, not being a Christian means that you don't have God. You don't have the presence of God in your life. What's it going to take? Nine times out of ten... And this is sad, but nine times out of ten, in order to get people to wake up and, and, and understand what's important in their life is something physical happens that forces them, gives them no choice, but to turn to Jesus. Don't let it get to that point. Don't, don't, don't let something physical force you to look back and say, okay, now I need Jesus. That's what's happening to them. You know, oh, now I believe in Jesus. Now I understand what I just did. You know, not not the way he works in other people's lives. We don't pay attention to that. You know, you see Christians and you see, you know, miracles happen to them. Good things happen to them. But you, you turn a blind eye to it and don't want to see it. But then when something physical literally rocks your world, you go, oh, wow. 
I guess I need Jesus. What's it going to take for you to have a relationship with God? That's my question to any listener today that doesn't know God, that doesn't know Jesus. What's it going to take for you? Because what it took for them was earthquakes, rocks being split in two, and graves being opened. But let's ignore the other 20 years of ministry that we just got to see. So look around. Open your eyes and see what Jesus has done in the world and other people, and maybe for you. Look around. Don't let let it be some tragedy you know, a car accident, a, a natural disaster, a whatever. Don't let it be that. Look around and open your eyes and see what it's like to live with Jesus in your life. So we'll keep going here in verse 57. Uh, but it says, And when it was evening, there came a rich man um, from Arm- Armethia. I have trouble with that one. Um, named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus, and he went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus, and then Pilate ordered it to be given to him, and Joseph took the body and wrapped it in clean linen shroud and laid it um, in his new tomb, which he had cut into the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away, and Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite of the tomb. And so, uh, customarily, the bodies of criminals, depending on who it was, or most of the time left on the cross to rot or get eaten by wild animals, but sometimes uh, they were taken down before nightfall, um, before the Sabbath. So um, most of the time when that would happen, the Romans would grant access to friends or relatives to take their bodies for a proper burial. And that's what, what we uh, read here of uh, Joseph doing um, uh, to Jesus. And then um, 62, the next day, uh, that is after the day of pr- the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how the imposter said, uh, while he was still alive, after three days I will rise, and therefore order the tomb to uh, be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. And last, And the last fraud will be worse than the first. And Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go make it as uh, secure as you can, so that when and when uh, and may so excuse me. <laughs> so they what? <laughs> I don't know. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Go for it. So you see here um, the next day. You know the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate. And said, Sir, we remembered how that imposter said, While he was still alive, after three days I will rise. So look here. You have the same people who, if you remember this this crowd of people coming to Jesus to basically torture him, you have them come before Pilate again and say, Now you do remember that he said in three days he'd come back to life. So though they're not, you know, coming out and saying, that they were wrong, they are in a, in a nonchalant way doing it right now because they didn't believe anything that Jesus said. Obviously, they wouldn't have crucified him. They didn't care what he had to say. They laughed off what he had to say. They crucified him. And now they're saying, okay, wait a minute. We see all these things that happened. We see the, the world went dark. And it only says the centurion and those who guarded him 
you know, feared Jesus and understood. But I'm, but they're showing it here too because they said, you know, um, we need to go seal that up because apparently he's coming back in three days, <laughs> and it's real to them now. Yeah. And so, and I feel like Pilate knew. Pilate knew the whole time. Pilate, or else he wouldn't have done what he did. But he says, yeah, you have a guard of people with you, or you have a guard of soldiers. Yeah, why don't we go seal that up? So they're at least in a nonchalant way taking a few things that Jesus said seriously. Because I think, and this is my opinion, in the back of their mind, they're like, you know, we have done something pretty wrong here. Yeah. And so let's let's go and seal that up because apparently he's coming back. Uh, I agree. Yeah. So, you know, we 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 see through and Matthew. I love Matthew's account of everything. You know, I, I like his gospel. It's probably my favorite. I'm not saying the other ones are bad. I just I like the way Matthew um, writes and how he describes things. But guys, I'm telling you, you know, you see the mistakes of these people in crucifying him and we're, we're able to go back and read that for, for ourselves. Anybody can go you know, and buy a Bible just about anywhere, even Dollar General. I can't stand it, please. <laughs> even though I despise Dollar General, you can buy a Bible there. You can read it for yourself and understand what they did wrong. So stop doing it. That I mean, that's we, if we choose blatantly to not have a relationship with Jesus, you think it was it was good, or you think God felt good watching Jesus get crucified, understanding? No, it hurt his heart, but he knew it had to be done. And guys, Jesus, his heart hurts. God's heart hurts to see people who blatantly choose not to have a relationship with him. And you see the people here who have made a mistake, and some people that said, go back and said, I believe this was the Son of God. And you have the other group of people who basically crucified Jesus, saying, okay, he's, he's coming back. I know he's coming back. we got to do something about it. So at least they're believing what he has to say. They're going back and not fixing what they've done, but at least taking some parts of it serious. Take Jesus seriously. Understand the gravity of what a relationship with Jesus looks like, and don't let it take a physical, you know, something for you to go back and believe in Jesus, believe in God. You know, look around, see what's going on, and understand the power of Jesus, because guys, and we're going to witness it even more in a minute, but you just saw it. Even though he was on the cross, even though he was helpless, you still saw the power of Jesus. Imagine what that same exact power can do in your life if you let it. So, let's do it together. Three, two, one. May May the the fourth be with you. Wow. Godspeed, everybody. That was amazing. Is that from Star Trek? I'm just kidding. (laughs)